Good morning. I want to thank everybody for coming out here today as we worship God in spirit and truth. And if we have any guests with us here today, I want to thank you for uh, being here with us. You are an honored guest. If there's ever any questions that you have of why we do what we do here, uh, if it's different than something that you're used to, get with us afterwards and give us the opportunity to answer any questions that you may have. You know, as we uh, get into today's lesson, uh, on the screen behind me, it says, Blessed are the meek. And that's something that we're going to uh, look at here this morning because the word meek has changed a lot in the last 300 years. It's changed uh, even more from 2,000 years ago, how the word was used. Uh, the word, as we go throughout uh, this lesson here this morning, you're going to see in different translations, sometimes the word meek is uh, synonymous with gentle or uh, humility, uh, meek. So, I mean, you'll see it used uh, in different ways in different translations, but it all basically means the same thing. And we're going to look at that today because in order to understand Matthew chapter 5 and, and verse 8, uh, in order to understand how the scripture uses it uh, three different times, really, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, we need to understand it and how it was used in the first century, not in the 21st century. Because when we think about meekness today, it's often, it's often thought about differently than it was back in Jesus' day. It kind of makes me think of this uh, the, a little illustration. Uh, who here knows of or has heard of Alex Haley? He was an author, uh, American author. He was the one who wrote the, uh, the book Roots uh, that went on to be, I believe, a TV series and other things. He had other works. Alex ha Haley, in, in his office before he passed away, um, there was a, a gentleman who came and did an interview with him, and uh, he had a picture on the wall in his office, and it was a turtle just sitting on a fence post. And, and uh, you know, towards the end of the interview, the, uh, the, 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 the journalist said, hey, I, I got to ask you. He said, that's kind of a different picture. He says, you know, why do you have a, a turtle sitting on the fence post? He said, ah, I'm glad you noticed that. He said, he goes, I have that because it reminds me of something I learned long ago. If you see that there is a turtle sitting on a fence post, you know he had some help. And so he says, anytime I write something and I think to myself how wonderful it is, he goes, I remember that turtle sitting on the fence post and all the help that I had to get to where I'm at. And so you think about that phrase, right? You think about how as, as individuals we look at great, greatness differently. The Bible also looks at great greatness differently, and it defines it differently. And so when you think about uh, biblical greatness, the kingdom of heaven has its own standard. And that standard is humility and servanthood. I wonder if we were to do a survey today in the 21st century, and we were to think about greatness and how somebody would define greatness, I wonder how many, I wonder how many times the adjectives of, uh, of humility or gentleness, or servanthood would actually appear in that list. I'm pretty sure that it probably wouldn't appear in, in, in very many lists as we, as we think about this actual idea here this morning. I have a question for you. Do you think it's a coincidence that both the Apostle Paul and Jesus spoke of meekness? Think about meekness, right? You think about that simple term. Paul being guided by the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 when he was writing the, uh, the letter to the people of Galatia, did he not add meekness, gentleness to one of the fruit of the Spirit? Did not Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5, uh, as, or Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5 as we look at that, Jim, my clicker is not working, uh, if you could go to the next slide. 
If you look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5, if you have your Bibles open, we'll get this, uh, the slides working. Here we go. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You think about that simple verse, right? That both, it's not a coincidence uh, or, uh, that, that Jesus and the Apostle Paul spoke about it. Because God, through Jesus, sent the Holy Spirit to guide the first century men in all that they wrote. So when you go over passages of Scripture like we'll do here today, and we'll see words like gentleness, humility, meekness. When they're often used, they're used because that is the, that is the type of attitude, that's the type of heart condition that each of us need in order to attain heaven. If we wish to become meek, if we wish to become gentle and humble, it makes me think of as, as we're going through our series on the Life of Christ Challenge on Sunday mornings right now in our Bible study. Uh, and, and, and after Mary has, uh, receives the revelation, receives uh, the message from the angel, she says, let it be unto me your bond slave, the Lord's bond slave, as you have spoken. You see, she was an individual who was humble in heart. She was an individual uh, who understood what it means to submit to God, to, to, to really to be somebody who was in compliance with the, uh, the law that she had, the Mosaic law in which she was under. And as we think about it, uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5 on the screen behind me, why is it, though, that even though God says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, and yet very few people, including Christians, uh, think of meekness as a desirable trait? Most people today don't look at it as a desirable trait. Instead, oftentimes, we end up taking assertiveness training. Uh, if you're in sales or in other things, you'll take assertive, assertiveness training. Why? Because you need to assert yourself. You need to learn how to, uh, to be aggressive. You need to learn, to, they, they condition times, many of us, to be aggressive and to watch out for our own interests. And so there's different ways that we look at things in society today. And what the world teaches about meekness today is vastly different than what Jesus taught uh, uh, not only in the first century, but also what the, how the word is used uh, in the book of Psalms uh, in, in other places in the Old Testament. And so, brethren, the word meek is, as I said earlier, is synonymous. It's interchangeable with gentleness and humble. And to be meek is to be humble in spirit. It's to be submissive. It's to be compliance with the word of God. Could you, could you and would you say that you would consider yourself as a meek individual based on what I just said? Do you consider yourself as being compliant, submissive to all that God requires of you? And if you, if you can't say a, a yes, and it's not a resounding yes, then you have to ask yourself, you know, would you be acceptable in God's sight? You see, because Jesus, he described himself as meek, gentle, Gentle and lowly in heart, in Matthew chapter 11, did he not? Jesus says, I am gentle, I am meek, I am lowly in heart, in Matthew 11. Before his accusers, he stood silent. He took his punishments quietly. It makes me think of what uh, Peter had to say in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 33. It said, and while Jesus being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, he, but he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Brethren, think about that. Simple passages of scripture there that, ex that explains Jesus' attitude, explains his mindset. Jesus' meekness did not come from cowardliness. It did not come from weakness. Jesus' meekness came because he 
entrusted himself to the strength of the Father. He entrusted himself to the Father's power. Matthew chapter 26 says Jesus could have called upon 12 legions of angels if he had desired to. But instead of trusting in the angels, trusting in those to come and to take him away and to protect him, he entrusted himself over to the one who is going to judge righteously. Brethren, we know that Jesus uh, wasn't concerned about himself when he was here uh, as God in the flesh. He was concerned with fulfilling all that God had required him to do. I know this because that's what the scriptures teach. In Philippians, in chapter 2, if you look on the screen behind me, notice what it says in Philippians chapter 2, and verse 4 through 8. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. He, uh, uh, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something that should be grasped or that could be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to, uh, to the point of death, even to the death on a cross. You look at what the Apostle Paul had to say to the people of Philippi. And brethren, Jesus showed that he was meek, meaning that he was humble, that he was gentle, he was submissive, he was compliant, even to death on a cross. In the book of Hebrews, the scriptures tell us that Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross because of the joy that was set before him. He understood what his death meant for you and I. He understood what his death, his sacrifice meant for mankind. And so instead of, of trying to fight back against uh, uh, those who were persecuting him, those who were going to take his life, instead he trusted himself over to God the Father. He put his trust in the Father. You know why? Because Jesus tells us that, uh, and if you look at uh, that, that same passage there in Philippians 2 and verse 7, it says, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant. We've talked about the word bondservant, that term, in Bible studies before. And as we look at that term, as we said before, it simply just means that somebody who gives their life over in service to another. If you go back and you study John chapter 12, Jesus says, I didn't come to, save the, uh, to, to judge the world, I came to save the world. He says, but you do have one that judges you. The words in which I speak are what are going to judge you in the last day. And he says, and I know this to be true, because the Father who had sent me, had given me, has told me exactly what to say and exactly what to do. And because I know his words contain eternal life, I do exactly as he has commanded me. And so, brethren, you look at the passage of Scripture here in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4 through 8. It says, being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the Father, even to the point of death, the death on a cross. You see, brethren... Meekness in Jesus' day, how that word was used, didn't reflect weakness. It didn't reflect uh, timidity. It didn't uh, reflect an inferiority complex. It reflected true strength. Because in order to be meek, in the sense of how the Bible uses it, you had to be strong internally. That's how James talks about, being, in, in order to, uh, to, to, to suffer the various trials that you're going, through, uh, you're going to go through with joy. That he talks about, and that's paraphrasing, uh, in, in the beginning of James chapter 1. How can you suffer the various trials with joy? Because it's an inner strength that you have when you turn yourself over to God. 
When you put your full trust and obedience in God and you rely on his strength, his power, and not on your own. So brethren, when we look at this, in the here and now, as we fast forward from A.D. 33 all the way through to 21st century, the meek are those who humbly submit to the will of God. It's always been this way. It's been this way going all the way back to the times in the patriarchal age. It's been this time in the Mosaic age. It's that way in the Christian era. And so, brethren, the meek are those who humbly submit to the will of God. Our world today often associates happiness with what? Possessions, the praise of men, uh, various earthly pursuits. But Christians, we need to understand that true happiness doesn't come from those things. It comes from a meek and humble submission to the will of God. That is who will find happiness. That is why Matthew 5, and 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Inherit the earth is just an expression that means that you'll receive something of great value. If you are a child of God and you are living as like as the Apostle Paul and Peter and Mary and others who said, let it be unto me as the, uh, let it be unto me the bond slave of the Lord, and we will do all that is required of us. Think about how many men and women that you can mention that you can think of in Scripture who had that mindset, right? And so, brethren, they were blessed in what they did. It didn't mean that they didn't suffer here in this life. It didn't mean they didn't have health calamities. It didn't mean they didn't have financial problems. It didn't mean they didn't have trouble in their marriages. But it meant that if you continued to trust in the Lord and you were compliant and submissive to the will of God, that all things will work out in the end and you'll receive a abundant blessings in the next life. Brethren, we understand that the word meek has changed many different times over the last 350 years. As I said, you can't, you can't understand what the Bible teaches by opening up a modern day dictionary, looking up the word meek, and then applying it to what, how it was used 2,000 years ago. Is that word has changed throughout time, like many words have. Uh, and like I said, it doesn't mean weakness. It doesn't reflect cowardice. The term meek in the past was used uh, in some writings to describe a soothing medicine. It was used to describe a soft breeze. It was used to describe uh, colts or other animals that were naturally had naturally wild spirits, and how the the owners of those individual or those of those animals would break those animals in order to break their spirit, in order to use them for various tasks. The the human attitude when it comes to meek, it meant gentle of spirits. Having a gentle spirit, being submissive, being tender-hearted, being quiet—that is the—that is the, the the way it is used as we read in the New Testament and the Old Testament. In the Synoptic Gospels, the word "meek" is only found three times, all in Matthew. In Matthew chapter five and verse five, like we just looked at, in regards to the beatitude, the second time it was used is in the invitation of Jesus, where it says in Matthew chapter eleven, verse uh, in verse. Uh, 28 through 30, uh, that he was gentle and lowly in heart. That means he was meek and lowly in heart. It was also used in Matthew chapter 21, and that was the third and final time in Matthew, where Jesus had rode into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. He was described as lowly, as meek, and sitting on a donkey. You see, brethren, as we look at this mindset of meekness, and as we look at what the scriptures teach and then wrap our heads around it with our modern day uh, understanding of the, of the term. In society today, meekness is often thought of as passiveness. Being passive, being timid, being shy, maybe having an inferiority complex. 
But the basic element of meekness is derived from the root word equilibrium. Equilibrium is synonymous with steadfastness, with stability, with balance, with faithfulness. And you could say that meekness is a form of having really kind of like an inner mastery over your emotions, having emotional stability in the good times, having emotional stability in the storms of life. I've heard it say in an illustration that, that meekness is kind of like the, uh, uh, the meekness is kind of like the captain who's at the helm of his ship. And as he's going through a vast storm, he's in full control of the vessel, and he guides the ship steadily by remaining even keeled throughout the storm. It's because he had that, that mastery over his emotions, not getting too high, not getting too low, but being able to think as he's going through the storm. And so, brethren, it reminds me of Moses in Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3. It says, Now the man Moses, he was very meek above all men which were upon the face of the earth. But what also do we know that Scripture teaches? Uh, it, it, we know that the Scriptures teach us that Moses was known uh, above uh, many of the men of Israel to be courageous. And he had led Israel with a meek and humble spirit. How many times did Moses have to prostrate himself before the Lord, not because of his own sin, not because of his own transgression, but because of the transgression of the people of Israel? And yet he was the one that prostrated himself and begged the Lord to forgive them, to beg the Lord to have patience with them. And so, brethren, remember, some translations, as you look at this later on and you go through some passages of Scripture, you'll find meek, you'll find humble, you'll find gentle, all synonymous with one another, all used in conjunction with one another. And, brethren, remember, we have to understand that in Old and New Testament times, meekness is compatible with great strength. It's compatible with great ability. But whatever strength or weaknesses an individual may have, the meek person has, has it accompanied by genuine humility. A, a person who's willing to submit all that they have unto the Lord. True meekness is a quality of the strong. Those who could assert themselves, but choose not to. Those who could bully and intimidate others, but choose not to. The meek are those who trust in the Lord. Uh, trust in the, Lord. the meek are those who uh, delight in God and commit uh, their lives to doing the will of God. They, to, they, to turn everything that they have over to the Lord. Their lives, their families, their careers, their possessions. To turn everything over to God. To trust in God. To trust in His power, His strength, His blessings. You see, brethren, when we start to trust more in ourselves and less in God, we find ourselves outside an outside relationship with God. And the New Testament, the New Testament often reminds us of the, of the importance of meekness, humility, gentleness. In James chapter 1 and verse 21, it says, Receive with meekness the implanted word. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, it says, Always be ready to give a defense for, for our faith with meekness and fear. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13 says, So that as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord has forgiven you, you also should forgive others. You see those words, humility, gentleness, uh, meekness, they're used interchangeably. But they all mean the same thing in Scripture. 
Those who are willing to submit unto the Lord are those who are willing to humble themselves before the Lord and not put their own interests first, but put the interest of others first, specifically God. You put God's will before your will. Too many people in the church got it backwards. Too many people in the church want to put their will before the will of God and wonder why they're not blessed. Wonder why they don't see God working in their lives, and yet they haven't even put God first. So, brethren, we have to understand how important submissiveness is, how, how important compliance is to receiving the blessings of God. As I wrap this lesson up, brethren, we are, we are meek only to the extent that we have surrendered our will to the will of God. The meek are those who quietly submit themselves to God, to his word, to his rod, and to those who follow his instructions. Those who are meek are gentle towards others. Those who are meek can handle frustration without acting out. Those who are meek can handle disappointment. They can handle displeasure when there is an occasion for it without using obscenities without feeling the need to, 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 to go back into a worldly mindset when things are getting tough. You see, why is that, brethren? Because you're now relying on God's power, His strength, in the difficult times. So instead of lashing out with obscenities, lashing out with venom and anger, the person who is meek can show their displeasure while still remaining control. I told you that earlier that uh, being meek in the sense that the Bible uses it is having mastery over your emotions. Not getting too high in the good times, not getting too low in the bad times, but remaining even keeled. So that way you can receive various types of news and yet still remain calm. Still remain in control of your emotions. Still remain pleasing in the sight of God. Those who are meek can be cool when others become hot. Those who are meek are rarely provoked, but are, are also quickly and easily calmed down. Those who are meek would rather forgive 20 offenses than avenge even one. Brethren, the invitation that Jesus made in the last passage of Scripture I'm going to use here this morning is in Matthew 11, 28-30 that I referenced earlier. This invitation that Jesus made 2,000 years ago still applies today because the new covenant is still in effect. Matthew 11:28-30 says, Come to me, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle meaning I am meek, I am humble in hearts, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Brethren, this is not a difficult lesson, but it is a concept that we all need to make sure that we are learning and that we, uh, that we fully understand as Christians, as bond servants, as bond slaves of the Lord. How many times have you guys heard me say, if you don't look at yourself as in being in a slave-master relationship, you're not going to be pleasing to God because then you're still not going to put God's will before your own. If you put yourself and your will and your desires before that of God, you're still not pleasing in a sight. You still don't get it. You have to be in full submission to God. Did God want the Israelites to be in full submission or did he want them to be in partial submission? Isn't that why they were constantly being rebuked? Isn't that why many of them died in the wilderness? Because they constantly grumbled against God. Why? Because they wanted what they wanted before they wanted what God wanted. Brethren, it's not that difficult of a concept, but it seems to be difficult to put into practice for many of us. 
And so I would ask you to think about this idea this morning of meekness, what it meant in biblical times versus what it means today, and ask yourself, how submissive are you to the will of God? How compliant are you to the will of God? Are you willing to do all that God requires of you like your Lord and Savior Jesus did? Jesus said, I do all that God expects of me, all that he asked of me, all that he spoke to me. Why? He said, because I know his words contain eternal life. Who here wants to go to heaven? If you're sitting here today, I'm pretty sure you probably want to go to heaven or else you'd still be in bed sleeping. But you're here today worshiping God in spirit and truth. You've got up, you came here, you've worshiped God because you want to go to heaven. But that's not enough. You have to turn your life fully over to God and over to his expectations, over to his will. If you do that, you'll hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. And you'll be welcomed into his loving embrace, welcomed to spend an eternity in his constant, unending blessings. Brethren, if you're hearing this message today and you know that you're not living for God the way that you should be, maybe you're here today for the first time in a while and you know that you, you should have been here, but you weren't. And maybe you want to be restored and you want the prayers of the congregation. You can ask for that this morning. Maybe you're here today because you're not a child of God, but your desire is to become a child of God, to give your life over to God, to be baptized as the scriptures teach according to his command for the remission of our sins, to receive the, uh, the Holy Spirit, and to be added to the kingdom. Brethren, if that is you, come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation. Jesus is